0: Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and entertainment, and all different kinds of disruptive things. I'm Joe Favorito along with my co-host Tom Richardson. Tom, how are Joseph, you? Joseph, good to
1: be back. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done one together.
0: We had a, I had a super time in Atlanta.
1: Yes, um, um, I got, uh, I was kind of real, real time updates from you between texting and, and uh, Twitter. So thank you for, for that. And there is
0: nothing like Radio Row. Right. I mean, there uh, is it's an experience. We were living through itself.
1: the polar vortex at the time. So yes, my exactly. fingers, I couldn't respond. Sorry um, about that.
0: But everything was great. And uh, yeah. we're going to do, I don't know how many second ones we've done other than like with Scott Rosner, but very few repeat it's guests. Rare,
1: we're in rarefied territory. We're in rarefied air. People that we like so much Especially empresarios
0: who changed their businesses or whatever they've yeah. done. So, and raising
1: their profile yep. by the
0: And graduates. Yes. Graduates. So, so today we are sitting down with Andrew Hawkins. Andrew, welcome back.
2: Appreciate it. Excited to be here.
0: Columbia degree, ex-NFL player, radio host, media entrepreneur, personality. media personality. Podcaster. Yeah. Soon to All be producer type of guy of a movie about himself, which is kind of cool. So... uh <laughs> Andrew, welcome back on campus.
2: Appreciate it. Glad to be here. How does it
0: feel you back on campus?
2: It feels awesome. This is my first time back since I graduated no, I, from the I program. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so cool. it's awesome. It's cool to see the all the students in the same seats that I was at one time. And there was a the rumor
1: circulating that you were guest lecturing.
2: I, I spoke guest... at Professor Pilson's class. Wow. Yeah. So
1: what do you, what's your conclusion?
2: It was cool. It was cool <laughs> to for him. So a guy obviously that I look up to and taught me a lot to be able to come back and share some knowledge and the kids actually think I know what I'm talking
1: about. Excellent. There you go. That's that's what you got to do. That's every it. Week after week. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so
0: when you were on campus, there, were, there was kind of a track that you were taking towards mm-hmm. the front office. Yep. Uh, you've really got involved, smartly so, in a lot of different media outlets, different yep. properties, traveling back and forth across the country between Washington and Bristol and, and L.A. Um, left, signed with the Patriots, left the Patriots yep. before you ever played last mm-hmm. year. Um, so why don't you just kind of Walk walk us through a little bit about how you got to your degree from Columbia, yep. finishing your NFL career, and where you are right now.
2: Yeah, so I've I've told the story before. Meeting you was like one of the catalyst. Bar, it's
0: all about alcohol. I'm yeah, He right. so. was like,
2: "Hey, come have a drink at this event he had at Sloan," and I'm like, "Who all the right. hell knew?" Sounds so, good. We yeah. went there. We talked for hours, and I left like, "Man, I need to." Be at Columbia. So and we talked
0: to him out of NYU, and I'm yep. going to say that. So. Yep. So here we
2: are. I went you to Columbia. The Joe
1: works on commission. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense now. It <laughs>
2: makes sense now. So yeah. So from there, came to Columbia. I was commuting in off seasons. That was with the Browns at the time. One off season from Tampa, I would fly up in the morning, all day classes, fly right back to Tampa. The next off season, I was in LA interning for Maverick Carter. Um, so I would fly from LA, class all day. Fly back to LA that night for the entire semester. It was brutal. Um, a commuter,
0: the hell of a commuter. A commuter so, yeah. from
2: Los Angeles every single week, here on campus. But it was—I mean, it was—it was a great experience. It was hard work, but um, again, it, it prepared me. I wouldn't have done it any other way. It, people got to see my work ethic, how serious I was about you know learning and, and making sure when the transition happened, I was prepared for it. Um, so graduated, not about a week later, signed with the Patriots. It was like, hey, you know, I left the Browns earlier in the offseason. I was like, I'm gonna, I want to go win a ring. If I can cap it off with a ring, I'll feel really good about it. Went to New England. Um, hurt my knee early. So it started swelling up. It wasn't like a, you know, a tear or anything like that. But when you're older player, recovery is different. Or like little things that never affected you started to started to affect me. So my knee swelled up like a balloon right before camp. Um, and even in the off season, it was just like, look me, my heart's not in this. I'm doing this for all the wrong reasons. And as a guy who came in just wanting my opportunity, just wanting somebody to give me a look, I felt like I was blocking that opportunity from somebody else. Mm. So I was like, you know what, it it's it's time to hang them up. Which is always a tough call. I don't care, you know, how long you play or where you're at in your career, football has been a part of my life from the beginning. So it was still a tough call. Happy to say I have not regretted retiring one day like there's never been a day where i'm like man i still wish i was playing because when i got done i jumped right into new challenges and like you said my goal was to, to be in the front office and that's still there and i still plan to do that and i've had offers from probably 10 teams mm. to join front offices but for me i wanted to make sure I, I made a name outside of the game of football um that was a challenge i wanted to tackle and a challenge i'm, I'm tackling now and yeah, I, I just couldn't be more excited. So now I'm, I'm a host at ESPN. I'm an anal- analyst. I do NFL Lives, First Take, Sports Center. I'm also a host of SportsCenter on Snapchat, um, which is one of their newer, more successful properties. Um, and then on the business side, I'm the director of business development for some of the companies of Maverick Carter and LeBron James. When I got when I was retired, Maverick was like, hey, man, we would love to have you in the team and had a couple offers at the places, but didn't feel I need to look anywhere else, man. So I started right away and I worked between there marketing agency we have um so yeah no it's been it's been really good
0: you know and it's funny when you talk about the quest for learning and i think tom you and i have always talked about we're always trying to learn i remember you sent me a text at one point or an email saying i need to get smart on snap and instagram Mm -hmm. i gotta figure out how to do that if you know of anybody who could help me let me know and that's how it kind of came about with espn and espn really created their snap stuff around you correct yeah
2: well what happened was it was interesting. Like when I got done, I was like kind of in this middle ground. I was hosting a radio show, and I knew I wanted to do content. Or I, you know, at the time, I'm like, you know, what well, it'd be cool just to. I'm a fun guy, making people laugh around sports, making sports fun again is like something I'm passionate about because I took it way too serious as a, as a player. So I started doing like my own content where I would tell jokes about storylines or certain things that would happen that week, um, and I would edit the videos together myself, shoot them myself, you know, put the audio track, literally everything. I'm pretty savvy there and espn scene on my instagram they're like hey we have a property coming out that is yep. very much like this do you think wow. you would host and i'm like yeah it's it's kind of perfect and they never thought to put an athlete in that role because they just typically don't think of an athlete's being able to kind of carry entertainment that way and so it was just kind of perfect timing and yeah, I've been doing it ever since.
1: And that's been like a year and a half now. Right? Two yeah. Two years almost? Yep, yeah. year and a half again. So do you it. need to be in Bristol for those?
2: I, I do go to Bristol. Now, we've since started uh, doing more on-site shows. So I'll go to a Laker game, or I'll do it from the Pro Bowl, okay. or I'll do it from the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, typically we go from the studio in Bristol. Wow.
1: And then along the way, you started podcasting too, mm-hmm. the Tomahawk. Talk about that for a second.
2: Yeah, so I, I, in the midst of doing all that, a teammate of mine, Joe Thomas, who is a Cleveland legend, he played 10,000 consecutive snaps, like a, a world record, and he's just uh, We would we're two guys that you wouldn't expect to have with the chemistry we do, but we were we've always been really good friends in the locker room, and we had we have incredible conversations. And he would always say, Hey, when we get done, we should do a radio show. So when he retired, well, as soon as he got hurt and he was about to retire, I'm like, Let's do a podcast. He's like, Okay, it'll be fun. I'm retiring. I won't have the locker room feel to talk to my buddies anymore. This will be kind of fill that void. So we started doing it and people just kind of gravitated to it, and it kind of took off faster than we could imagine. So much so that we didn't really have an infrastructure in, pace, in place to kind of handle right. the amount of attention and um, demand was for it, and we just kept doing it, we were diligent with it, uh, going out of our way to make sure we kind of feed the need of our of our audience, man, and they responded in a big way. Spotify said we were the most listened to podcast in the state of Ohio, which was awesome um and confirmation and yeah now we we do radio we went radio row last year and yeah people are again it's a you're, bunch of opportunities
1: working man in sports media i appreciate that so um and but,
0: last and super at radio row mm-hmm. you guys actually had a partnership we uninterrupted a partnership with twitter correct uh-huh. how did that kind of play out
2: yeah so we do at uninterrupted we do a couple of different partnerships with twitter one of them we do a halftime show Where it's like our take on the halftime show, we typically have players kind of run that um, with no host. It's, you know, let's say it's a playoff game between the Lakers and the Warriors. We'll we'll have NBA players sitting there at halftime. You go on Twitter and they're broadcasting live with the set and it's players talking about the game. It might be Rudy Gay, Austin Rivers saying, hey, LeBron needs to do this. Or and the fans like it because it's other players in the league that are currently playing or talking about their peers. Mm. We do it for football as well. So we have a really good relationship. Well, going down to radio row, um, we were going to, we had our own table set up and Twitter was like, Hey, why don't you just set that up Mm. in our studio and our lounge that we're doing? Because a lot of our fan base is really, really active on Twitter. So it was kind of the perfect marriage, man. And we went down there and yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was an electric atmosphere. Guests loved it. And you know, we have a lot of fun doing it. So what,
1: what medium right now mm-hmm. do you like the most personally, and what yeah. medium do you think is having the the most resonance in the market, with based on the feedback you? Because I know you're, you're big on Twitter and Instagram and stuff yeah. like that. so you must get a lot of feedback. I get a lot or of feedback. Like me and
2: Joe. <laughs> well, the cool thing about the things that I do is that they all kind of hit different buckets, and the fan bases are mm-hmm. different. So the fan bases that watch me on SportsCenter on Snap are completely different than my Tomahawk fan bases, and the Tomahawk fan bases are or the Tomahawk fan base is completely different than the things that I'm pushing the buttons on and uninterrupted. And I think they all have a need, which is the cool part about digital media is that you can get very specific and reach exactly who you want to reach. Whereas before everybody was kind of forced to consume their sports and their media the same way. It's completely different now. And me as a guy who I like to tell the creativity, the creative side of me, like likes to feed that creativity through sports center on snap and, The young people see me across the country, like, hey, you're Hawk from Snap. They don't even
0: mm.
2: put two and two together that I played in the NFL. Yeah. So that's like the cool part of that. Well, they
0: went that career right out the window. Yeah. So,
2: and, you know, I mean, the when I'm on NFL Live, it's going to be completely different than when I'm on the Tomahawk.
0: Yeah.
1: But the
2: Tomahawk is the, the version that I'm used to talking like. Like, I'm in the locker room. I want to talk about these things just like I would with my friends. And that's how the Tomahawk is. And again, there's fans that love to hear the content right. come to them that way as well.
1: So I was just reading today some news I broke this week that the NBA just re-upped with Twitch mm-hmm. for the G League distribution. Yep. And I don't know if you saw the, the part of the announcement where they're going to allow people to not use the main feed, but mm. rather have streamers do their own thing. Like Sportscaster wow. Live. Which is yeah. not unlike what, mm. I mean, kind of a, at least a live game version of what you described with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Uh, it seems like that's an inevitability in all this stuff. Right. Um, when, when might we see you on Twitch because that's a huge environment. It you is a huge
2: environment. We we have talks going on. All right. Um, on the Twitch side right now, literally. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 more the same. Like people are realizing they don't only want to consume the content; they want to be a part of it. Right. Which is why, I like, the social media is such a great place for right. sports because people can engage. Yeah. So now, Twitch things like that are where you take that next step that you are a part yeah. of. The sports media landscape like everybody else. Right.
1: Even that simple thing they did with the NFL where they had the second audio feed mm-hmm. of Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm yes. for the Thursday mm-hmm. night games, which they just re-upped, yep. uh, indicating that it was successful. Exactly. It just seems like there would be a wonderful opportunity for you there. No, of course, uh, man. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
0: So speaking of media, tell us about the movie. So so this announcement came out. this week.
2: Yeah. We yeah. It's going to be this. a
0: biopic right? Yeah. that you're going to be on the production side of.
2: Right. So yeah, I what, mean yeah, how
0: do you how do you can it, can you even grasp like someone's going to be playing you in a movie?
2: Yeah, it's a little weird, it's a little surreal. It's, yeah. To me it's just cool that someone thinks my story is halfway And You've never enough. there's
0: never been a book, right? You never did I I
2: haven't I haven't written a book. Right. I um I detailed my story at a couple of different outlets, but it's you never The Players Tribune. The Players Tribune did, you know, Players show, Tribune, right that, did right. um some other I did I think I did one with uh Bleacher at one point. Um but yeah, so it's, it's... So how did
1: it come about? Yeah, Like, even just the notion? Of it that? was
2: that. I mean, the story being out there and what happened was a couple of people offered uh, to option my life rights. And, you know, I mean, you're to me, that's like... Not something like that. I don't need the... Let's say what it is. I don't know. Let's say it's $10,000 for your life. Like, I don't need that money for, for something that is a part mm-hmm. of actually my story and my legacy. Um, So for me, I was just very particular on it. Like, okay we might have something here and from there, you know, the right producer came along and said, Hey, this is what we want to do with this story. We want you also to be a part of the process to, to make sure that you feel good about the story we want to tell. Um, and that's what we did. So we signed a producer, um, Andre Gaines, who's running the show there. They attached the director this week, um, which was the news you guys seen. And, yeah, like to me, it's just, again, I'm, j- I'm just humbled by the fact that someone thinks my story is entertaining enough to tell to other people.
0: So, so two things. One is it's amazing, the turnaround, because they're going to try and film pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Which is when someone something gets optioned, I remember. I remember uh, years, right? Well, Sal Palantonio, who's at ESPN, when I was with the Sixers in 1992, his book got optioned for his book of Frank Rizzo, who was the crazy mayor of Philadelphia. Uh-huh. The movie still hasn't been made. And they keep renewing the option, so to have it turned around, I think it speaks to something I want to talk about which is athlete is brand, right, but the other question I had was, so was that outside of your dealings with with Maverick Carter? It was an independent thing, or did that help that, to kind of move things along?
2: yeah, no that I mean it's been in the works for like quite a while mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, my lawyer is actually an entertainment lawyer now he was my lawyer before this any of this came about, so it was just easy to have him kind of just. Just handling in like I'm, I'm not super duper hands on with it um, for obvious reasons, because it's just a little weird to, right. to be doing that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they they have the expertise and I kind of let them just handle it and fill me in on the back
1: end. Let's go back to the point you made and we kind of gloss over this idea of someone offering you money for your life rights. Yeah, like. Usually, options US are based Weekend. on a book, an article, like yeah. something that exists, uh-huh. like a copyrighted work, or, or maybe not copyrighted, but you know, a, right. an existing mm-hmm. media product. Mm-hmm. And they like it, and say, oh, this would be a good movie. Let's turn this book into a movie. And right. it's options, et cetera. I, didn't, I wasn't aware that someone could buy your life rights. Yeah, well, I mean, it's more of like idea just a, it's of not story. like,
2: hey, I'm just going to take everything. It's more of, and and when you talk when you talk about the story, like there's a story like, for example, the Jerry Rice story, right? Someone might want to do a movie about Jerry Rice and the draw of watching how Jerry Rice grew up and became the person he became will be entertaining or interesting to somebody. For me, it's not so much like that. Like, oh, look at this incredible body of work as an athlete. It's more of the very specific story of how I navigated Mm -hmm. from small college with small stats and small stature to the NFL. And I was very diligent. I was very meticulous and... I had to, you know, fake it till I made it a lot of times. And the story of almost life hacking your way through that yeah. is the part that interests. And, that, and that's a story that'll be portrayed on the big screen. Which
0: is a great story. And that leads me to the other question I wanted to ask you, because uh, the Patriots recently had their parade. Mm-hmm. And uh, Julian Edelman and Tom Brady both had their own self-designed T-shirts, mm-hmm. which they wore. Yeah. And Dwayne Wade just announced his deal with Bleacher Report for his own likeness of gear that he will control yeah and this is kind of along the same way because the value of athlete as brand building your own brand kind of unencumbered of everybody else Mm -hmm. you know it's not like they could have walked out and suddenly put a hat on when they were hoisting the trophy but they figured out a point in time where they could take advantage of the brand themselves Mm -hmm. i'm sure people have approached you about the hawk brand and building out your own persona Mm -hmm. What do you think about how that's played out? Is it for everybody? Is can anybody do it? Or you've put a lot of time into building your brand, as yeah. those guys I think have. How does that play out now and do you see it changing going forward?
2: Yeah, I I don't I don't know if it's changing. I do think <sighs> if you notice people are just taking more control over the business of sports. Mm-hmm. I don't even like to use the word brand mm-hmm. because it almost diminishes like who you are as a person. Yep. You know? Um and I get obviously the overlap between the two. But I think it's just everybody else, this is this is the nature of sports business. It's capitalizing on something else. On your,
0: and on your moment.
2: Too. On your moment, and, on your team, on your opportunity. You get paid big bucks by the team to capitalize on your abilities, whatever that is. I just see the trend of athletes saying, okay, here we were for a long period of time, just okay with playing and getting that check. you know." And then they got kind of smart and they said, well, if they're paying me this, they must be making that right. or I must really be worth this, mm. because no one's going to pay out more money to somebody than they're worth. And I think what you're seeing is just athletes understanding that, okay, let me capitalize on this in the moment. And, you know, I, I Julian Element is one of my friends, follow him on social. Every week they played a team, he had a new t-shirt for sale. He had a new really? slogan.
0: Joe's jeans, too. Beat
2: LA, yeah. you know, yeah. um, knock down the Chiefs. And then what that does is just by you living your life and doing what you would normally do anyway... He probably sold twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth of merch every single week, and in the end it creates another six figure income that wouldn't be there if you're not smart enough and to capitalize on the following
0: and the other piece of this, which I, I wrote about this week is kind of interesting because the immediacy of being able to replicate things quickly and not have a right. latency changed the business so Fanatics yep. now doesn't sit there with all these t-shirts for the rams that they could send to a third world country because mm-hmm. Of technology you can take a white t-shirt and produce that image on it and if you need to sell 10 you sell 10 If you need to sell it that right then on the other 10. side of that
1: coin you have the promotional platform and then yep. in, the, in the name of yep. you know huge number of followers on yep. the social platform yep. so you put something out or yep. Julian did mm-hmm. boom he's selling
2: and more than that it it, no. it, it directly aligns with your following mm-hmm. like right. I think a big misconception of yeah. having a big following is oh you have four million followers sell these uh,
0: yep dorito yeah. chips selling
2: something that yeah. isn't like my followers Tacos. are there for <laughs> a certain Tacos. amount it's, it's, the it's, smart it's, it's, part it's, about it's, them is like look these are patriots fans yes. right. like 100%. i'm going to sell them right. patriots stuff mm-hmm. and they're going to buy it because that's why they're here yep. so and there's other instances where a smaller following mm-hmm. might be more engaged than someone with big numbers it all depends on what you're selling who you're selling to and what yep. you're yeah.
0: And you see that in lacrosse and you see it other places with, you know, Paul Rabel growing what he's doing. Right. Um, the other interesting side of that is, and I remember Steve Mills, when I was at the Knicks, now the president of the Knicks again, always went in and would go to talk to players. Not a lot of players grasped, but Kurt Thomas being one who did said, look who you're playing in front of when you're at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And there was a very similar conversation I had with Kerry Keating, who's now doing color for the Warriors, but was the head coach at the University of Santa Clara for eight years. Yep. And they would pitch their idea about, look, You may not come here and be in the NBA, but you are sitting in front of an audience in Silicon Valley who can help you get to your next career. Mm -hmm. I think now athletes realize that more than ever before because you have a conversation in social with people that never existed before. That could never happen before. You had to go up and shake somebody's hand, send them an email. Now they're following you. They know more about you as long as you have control over your brand. It's really an amazing
1: thing that you could do now. Right. How important is location? for an athlete in that position because there's a lot of talk, particularly in the NBA yeah. right now because of the season <laughs> mm-hmm. about, well, you know, if they really want to maximize their future potential, they got to go to LA or New York, like Kevin, Dur- I mean, San Francisco, he's doing just fine yeah. uh, with the right, Warriors. Right, you know what I mean? right. Like like Russell Westbrook is being wasted or somehow in Oklahoma city. Cause it's yeah. a small market. Mm-hmm. Is, is the location still important?
2: I think it is not maybe in the context of networking with people in the area, but I think, visibility matters. Like, I don't, I mean, you talk, look at the Kevin Durant stuff today, or, you know, I seen somebody tweet it the other day about they don't understand why athletes care so much about what the media says. Mm. You know, well, it, all of that directly affects your earning potential as an athlete. Right, right. Because owners and general managers, like, you have to have a, a good perception from the audience to keep your job. If everyone says you're a bad coach, 99% of owners will take that as fact. If all the media writers write that you're a bad wide receiver, (laughs) the owners, the GM will say, even if the GM thinks you're a great receiver, he's trying to keep his job and he understands that the public turns perceptions behind closed doors. So it does directly affect the earning potential. So to kind of answer your question, does location matter? Yes, because in New York, you are amplified. You look at OBJ who is a superstar. He could be the kind of superstar that could trans- transcend the sport um from a personality standpoint without some of the uh, you know the other conversation off-field concerns that they have. But I don't even know even with the one-handed catch, if that catch happens with the Bengals, I don't think he
0: is a good point. No.
2: just thrusted in the superstar in the same but, way.
0: So along those lines, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Playing in Kansas City now. Obviously they had an amazing year. Yes. I, you know, I don't know. Lee Steinberg is his agent. I, I, if he can can extract those businesses, and Russell Wilson's been a great example of yeah. building a brand in Seattle, although mm-hmm. they did win a Super Bowl, I think that
1: right. helps. Yep. Um, there's no slouch of an influential market right you know in tech and stuff like that right yeah
0: so you know it'll be interesting to see like how some of those players can build it out and i think
2: quarterbacks are, at least yeah. in the context of football yeah. if you're a quarterback it doesn't matter what market Your you're
0: offensive in. linemen are going to have a little bit more
2: of a yeah total. if you're an O lineman they're not going to care wherever you're at and if you're a quarterback they're going to care everywhere you're at yeah. Yeah. so that's like the kind of workaround. Mm-hmm. um for instance i played in cincinnati i, I feel like a.j green if a.j green was a.j green in a bigger market you would see him all over the place but he's in Cincinnati and it's a smaller market and there wasn't you know there's not as much kind of coverage even me personally when I went to Cleveland I couldn't believe how much more people cared with me playing there than when I did in Cincinnati it was it was like eye-opening to me because the markets didn't seem that different to me but it might have been for a different reason but people were paying attention a lot more than what they were. Right.
1: What what was it like in, in that instance where you know so you you went stayed in the same state. Mm-hmm. You go to this new city where they're known to be kind of crazy fans, yeah. crazy, enthusiastic fans and you're thrust into the limelight cuz you're in a skilled position, yep. a high profile position. Uh-huh. Is it hard to get used to? I mean this is a this is a question that regular folks can't relate to because Yeah. But, but seriously, like you turn on talk radio and you drive to the stadium, like yeah. and they're saying sh- stuff about you. Like, well, I,
2: I learned early early on not to listen to sports media, which is why I can do it now, is right. because I'd never paid. Like when I was a kid, my older brother played in the NFL, and I was, what, 11, 12 years old, and I would go on message boards. This is back in oh, 2000, AOL. 2001, 99, <laughs> and I'm a kid, and I would go on message boards, and I would see the things that they were saying, and I'm like... This is horrible, right. right? So when I got older, when I got to the league, when I started playing sports, I was smart enough to say, okay, I'm not even going to read it because I yeah. don't care because right. I don't want it to affect my morale, what I think about myself, the way I play. And I honestly cut it off completely. Yeah. Um, so even going to Cleveland, uh, 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 a rowdier fan base, I didn't see it. I'll do Twitter searches now of moments that I had in my career three, four, five years back, and I'll... Everything that's going on, like, will be news to me now. Like, oh, that's how people reacted on Twitter. You know, because I can search that now. Because at the time, I didn't even care.
0: So along those lines, uh, you were involved in a pretty controversial, you mm-hmm. took a stance on the social social awareness platform when you yep. were in Cleveland. Um, which, you know, you were obviously, you talked about, that you really didn't see the the, the blowback from that. Yep. Athletes with a social conscious now. Um The good and the bad, is there a bad to being involved and not being informed and just kind of lashing out through social?
2: Well, if you say it like, is there a bad and not being informed? Yes. Anytime you're not, you speak on anything and you're not informed, it's bad. I don't care if you're teaching a class in sports business Mm -hmm. or you're begging a social justice announcement, whatever that is. If you're not informed, you probably shouldn't be speaking on something because there's going to be blowback. There's going to be an issue. So in that context, yes, when it comes to using your platform you know, there's always a conversation. Oh, like, you know, should they use their? It's your platform
0: and you have a voice and you, and you have, have a your voice to and voice. you
2: pay taxes and a lot of money in taxes. Let me, <laughs> let me be the first to tell you. So you if you whatever you want to do with your platform is your business. The consequences are the consequences they are also your consequences. But whatever you speak on, you should you be wise to take a look at what the consequences are and be OK with them. Mm-hmm. Um You know, my thing when I would tell players is, like, I didn't want everybody speaking on issues. I spoke on issues that I cared about. I used my platform the way I wanted to because, you know, like the movie, I went through hell to get that platform. So I felt like I was justified in talking about and pointing to whatever I wanted to because I had to sleep on couches. I had to sleep nights in storage units. So there's no way I'm going to let somebody else dictate what I do with the platform that I earned. But sense. for players that felt obligated, that maybe don't, if you don't care about it, don't speak on it. Correct. You know, like don't speak on things that you really don't care about mm-hmm. because, and that's on both sides. I don't care if, you know, someone who might feel the opposite about what I'm standing up for, if you really don't care about it either way, then just shut up. thats mm-hmm. That would be my 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 advice because, again, that's how you get into trouble because you're not willing to go through whatever fire is coming on both sides of it, if it's not something you're truly passionate about.
1: So you're I ju- just just thinking that you're the first professional athlete we've spoken to since the Supreme Court decision about gambling mm-hmm. last uh, uh, spring. What are, you, what do you think the players are thinking about this new kind of revolution in any place, in sports? just, not just yeah. football yeah, yeah, not just football yeah. players because. A couple of things. One, obviously, there's concern on on the on, in terms of the safeguards of the integrity of the sport. Yeah, basically, the referees. Uh-huh. There's already there's already stuff about that, by the way, in the NBA. I've heard. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but also the revenue potential because a, a big part of the storyline is oh it's going to be you know new billions of dollars of revenue direct mm-hmm. and indirect coming from these sponsorships with the casinos and the betting apps and things like that and the vig's and Yeah. So I what, mean, what are we? What is everybody thinking about it? I don't. I don't.
2: I haven't heard too many players who I don't for lack of a better term, really care, Right. to be honest. If, if there's more money in the sport, that means the sports will continue to progress. The money will get bigger. For the right. people that have the talent to play them, that's a good thing. Um, I mean, like, for me personally, I never really worried about, like, whether a ref was blowing the game or whether he was, you know, oh, is this player doing it didn't yeah. matter to me. And I you was never there. saw any
1: evidence of... And I never... said There wasn't
2: enough... For, I, there yeah. were so many other things I needed to worry about than yeah, to worry right. about that. Like, yeah. I want to win, but in the, in the grand scheme, you can't control what you can't control. Right. You know, that's it's right. still a business. So I, I honestly don't think, from a player's perspective, there's going to be any real POV either way.
1: Okay. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Considering how... Feverish discussions around this topic. Yeah, player's like the players don't care. So that's, that's
2: I mean, it's like fantasy football Like I, when I was playing, you know, and it's different now players We I we genuinely didn't care, right. mm-hmm. you know, like it's cool If it motivates you to watch me or be have be invested in how right. I do right. I'm all for it yeah. You know, I just exactly. personally it's not going to change my day.
1: Then there's another topic. I want to readdress because um I have a, a very vivid memory of you being on a panel at Sloan two years ago. Do you remember this? It was Pro- about yeah. About player sensors and player tracking. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And everybody, I think you were the last one to speak after the opening comments. And it's all these like business guys are like harrumphing uh-huh. about how great this is going to be. And right. you, I'm paraphrasing what you said. Be like, hey everybody, hold on a second. Yeah. I've got the players' perspective, and I don't necessarily like the idea of what I'm yeah. hearing right now. This is coming off of my person. This is right. my data, mm-hmm. effectively. How how do you feel about it, and what do you think the attitude? Because this is only going to get more intense.
2: Yeah, no, it's only going to get more intense, and it's going there already. Um, yeah, my stance was basically like, you know, you're tracking me. This is my like you said, this is my yeah, data. Your is,
1: sleep, your blood sugar. I mean, yeah, like that. that's
2: to me, it's a hard no. It's like you're not tracking my sleep. You're not tracking what I do in my downtime because, and and I. I, I get the opportunity on the other side, but at some point there there has to be a line drawn. And I'm even okay with the tracking on field things that inform physical decisions. But anything where you can basically dictate how another person lives, in my opinion, is going too far. Right. And there has to be again, there has to be some line. And for me, that's just where my line is.
1: Yeah. Because there are stories, and I, and I think if you, if you guys know know them, just bring them up. I think in the Premier League there are some teams that have mm-hmm. this uh, sleep tracking, yeah, thing like like built into the to the day to day management of the players. Yep. Right now, so meaning that you leave the the facility, you go home, and I guess before you go to sleep, I don't know if you're wearing a band or whatever. But, right. You know, and then the next day they're like, "Oh, you only slept three and a half hours. Like, what were you doing last night?" And, and it, is, it is a little weird.
2: It's, it's super weird, and this is a thing where like the veteran leadership has to kind of take the reins on this one because what happens is. Things are never, they're always looked at as crazy when they're introduced. But here's the thing. If they started doing it right now. And they said, everybody from here on out is being tracked. Veteran players won't do it. A veteran player would be like, all right, cool. As long as you're not tracking me, I don't care. When the rookie comes in, it becomes the norm. The rookie becomes a second-year guy, it becomes the norm. And over time, then you have a whole league when everyone's getting, yeah. the, and a 12-year-old, by the time he's playing in the league, he won't think twice about it. It's just yeah. how things are done. So that's why it's always important for the veteran leadership A to be there and B make sure they're looking out for the future of it and be, you know, having that lens that it's not just about yourself because yeah. to me again that's just I would never sign I would never be okay with that, yeah. that would be a walk away kind of There's thing. There's just so me.
1: much industry discussion about it and it's rare that you get a player's perspective mm-hmm. in any of these stories. Yeah. Even at even at the conferences, they very rarely like. I thought it was good that they had you on the panel. Yeah, I, I, and uh, you should speak out about it more because I think. I know. I, unfortunately,
2: it looks like it's going that way. I'm mean, it, just because you can do something doesn't mean exactly. you exactly. Yeah, or and, or
1: that the technologies we often say here in the program, right, and these classes about tech and digital and communications, like the technology has is way past the business ethical mm-hmm. and legal considerations in many cases like yeah. no one's really figured this out yet
2: yeah I mean if you're, if you're signing big checks to to athletes yes you're going to be able to tell them to do what you want like if you don't do this we're not going to give you this million dollar check Yeah, so you'll be able to do it but again because you can do something doesn't mean you should
1: It'd be great to get uh, your opinion about the new football leagues yeah, it's a timely, mm-hmm. timely subject right now mm-hmm. in February 2019 because one of them is about to launch.
2: Yes, very interesting. What do you think? I, I'm not sure yet. I mean, this is a a code that's they're trying, to have been trying to crack for a long time. Um, seems like they're crossing all the right t's and dotting the right eyes. I just don't know what the interest is going to be. I don't know what the long plays. I don't know what the exit strategy is. Um, and again, it's all about goal. If their goal is big viewership. It's going to be tough.
1: Yeah,
2: it's going to be tough. Their goal is to eventually partner in with the NFL to be their official feeder league, and then that's enough. I think that's doable. I think right. the league is in a in a space now where they understand we should probably figure out development somehow.
1: Kind of mm-hmm. like the equivalent of the G League for yes. basketball. Right? Yes, okay. There's
2: there's benefits to the game. There's benefits to content. There's benefits to um, you know, the last couple of years football has just been different and right wrong or indifferent that's the reality and i think again they want to make sure they keep it the highest they can and development is a big part of that because the league is now skewing younger with the new cba and contracts it's now cheaper to keep younger players and older players so now the average age of players is getting younger meaning the younger guys are playing more meaning the quality of football is different because young guys haven't quite figured out the code yet. Older right. guys are the polished ones.
1: But the league, at least in the case of football and the NBA, is mm-hmm. getting what it wants, which is more offense. Yes. More scoring. Which so is exciting. Represented by the season. Yes. So that, so I guess both things can be true. Both things that, can be that, true. That, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's interesting that um, there's been now more evidence to think. To say that between the leagues and the teams getting involved with video games and Mm -hmm. and doing these esports initiatives and things like that, and actually emulating some of the features from like Madden or NBA 2K or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think the players are open to more creativity and openness?
2: I think so. I mean, because sometimes people talk about players, it's almost like in their mind, it's they're the only people that freeze in time. Right. So, but the reality is, the player of today, quote unquote, is much different than the player from 15 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. What he thinks, what he's into, what he's not. So, these same kids that are players are into the same things as the other kids yeah. who are watching it. Or like right. we can we can't talk about the fan base is changing without saying the players right. also. So they think that's cool. They're into video right. games. Right. They're right. into, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Esports and and fantasy and like so those things are actually cool to them so I think they would be for it uh, because they're also the NFL is learning how not the NFL all leagues all sports are learning the importance of meeting fans where they are because we've reached a point where we're probably not getting new NFL fans so we have to sustain and then try to make sure that you are catering to the ones you have so they don't jump off of the ship and go to other sports
0: um the last question on the player side that i had was um the issue of again the ongoing issue of concussion and injury and mm-hmm. le- a length of career you have kids yes um not going to ask whether you'd let your kids play football but mm-hmm. and i saw jeff lewis from the flag football league at, at uh, on radio row um is it a worry for you now out of it that did you ever, did you ever have a concussion
2: yeah i had plenty of concussions so
0: with is it a worry for you going forward and what do you think about the audience you know following football that may have less of a chance to see football because of the, the issue with concussions with less people playing
2: yeah no definitely something you worry about um mm. you know unfortunately that's the game like mm-hmm. i love the fact they're trying to make it safer but it's tough when in a sport that's inherently violent yep. um and people love to see it there are consequences to to that for me personally, the game of football, is it's always tough for me to like, I don't want to say bad mouth it because that's the wrong word, but it's given me everything. It's mm-hmm. set me up financially. I've met my wife because of a, a scholarship in football. So it's always tough to look at it from a objective point because no. it is so important to me. You know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, we have to figure out a way to continue on the safety, like legitimately try to make it safe for him. And do you
1: think the leagues to that point should yeah. be willing to make some fundamental changes uh, in that direction? So for example, there's been talk of eliminating the kickoff, yeah, which is symbolically one of the big plays in a football game. Honestly, like kickoff.
2: In, this, in this state I am in my life, I just, I realized it's all entertainment. Yeah. And whenever, again, same conversation, whenever you change something, it's going to be radical. Right. After a while, nobody cares. Right. Right. You know what I mean? If yeah. it's entertaining, they'll yeah. still watch. They could kick off with their fingers. And, it <laughs> you know, people right. will say, oh, that's terrible. And then after 20 years, 15 years, 10 yeah. years, you'll be used to it. It'll yeah. just be yeah. the thing. I remember they made us start putting in leg pads after my first year in the league. And I had played two years in Canada. And typically specialists didn't wear thigh pads or knee pads because really, like, you don't really need them to be honest. They don't really protect much. They're just sitting on your legs. They're not protecting you from knee injuries. Yeah. Thigh bruise, maybe. Um, but even then, you'll still get bruised with the, the size of the guys. But I remember they made us put them on. This is maybe...
1: A mandated rule. Like,
2: mandated rule. No. Everybody wears knee, pos- knee, knee pads and thigh pads because they wanted to show that they were going towards player safety. Again, it didn't protect anything, but it was mandated. The pads total probably weighed one pound, if that. But it was like such a big deal to all of us. Like... How are we this is going to slow me down they are ruining my you know after a season you know you don't even think about it anymore like no one no one argues that but it was such a big deal at the time just to illustrate that
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know if you change anything people are going to have backlash
1: yeah wow
0: so so you now um out of the game mm-hmm. as a player into the media game mm-hmm. now looking back from when you were here at columbia who are some of the people you mentioned Maverick Carter who are some of the other people that came along who really helped you get to where you are now.
2: Yeah. I mean, Mav was a big one just because he like even interning him, which I interned for my degree here at Columbia, but he really pulled back the curtain for me, like to Mm -hmm. show me not only what he had going on, but also what was possible. And he's a guy who loves to push the envelope and change things. And, you know, I think in 10 years, people will look back and say like, Oh, wow, that was, that was monumental. What he did in this space. Um, because we're not, we weren't used to doing it or watching him being the catalyst of LeBron taking advantage of his star power the way that he has. Mm-hmm. So that, obviously that was like super monumental to me. And then there's been so many people, even too many to name, like besides the people out that are in the program here at Columbia and, you know, Anthony DeCosmo, who was an exec mm-hmm. at Nickelodeon, was now a guy. Now
0: at Brand Jordan.
2: Now at Brand Jordan. He yeah. really opened it up for me as well. Like, and, you know, whenever I would need advice or, you know, just anything. He would just kind of open the door for me. And there's been so many people like that. Um, Shan Terry, who runs 24-7. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that, you know, hey, come down, fly down. If you have anything, let me help you. Um, these are people in the sports business world that I'm trying to name off the top of my head. But yeah, that would mm-hmm. take the time to teach me and show me and say, oh, this is how I got to where I am. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you can capitalize on. These are the things to stay away from. And it's just helped inform all of my decisions. And my brother another guy who played in the league, went to sports media, and he was able to show me, okay, this is what I did right. This is what you had the opportunity to do. This is what I did wrong. And it's like getting the answers to a test ahead of time. So I love to take credit for a lot of the cool things that I'm doing, but I really should point it back to the people in this program and the people that I just named for really helping me circumvent some of the obstacles most people face.
1: How do you, how do you, your smack dab and, statistically in the middle of the millennial generation. Mm-hmm. How are you consuming sports these days? Are you a cord cutter? Or like what kind of talk about the apps you use and how are you actually keeping up with everything?
2: Yeah, it's it's that's a very good question. I don't even know if I can describe it because Well we if
1: we actually had the code to your iPhone we, yeah, we could look at it, I suppose, to get an idea.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you probably wouldn't find very many sports is the okay. thing. So if it's not on Twitter, if it's not on Instagram Um I'm, so not, like, I'm feed, not. So
1: the feed game.
2: I'm on the feed game. Like, right. I just trust the people I follow mm-hmm. to show me what I need to know and see.
1: Yeah. Good and I feel it.
2: like a lot of people rely that way, especially in, in, in my world where I'm so busy. I don't have time to always sit down and watch full games. Right. I don't have time to sit there and watch um, network television right. to check out the highlights or whatever. If I want to see something, I'll either have it on my timeline or I can just directly how, how go get it. How many
1: full. Three and a half hour NFL broadcast? Did you watch this past season? I've watched honestly.
2: I watched every single one. Wow! Because sorry, Tom. (laughs) Because meaning
1: like from beginning to end,
2: beginning to end every single game. Because I host a radio show in ESPN Operation Football, and it's like the red zone radio. So I'm in a studio with 15 TVs, okay, Okay. and I have every single game on, and we're watching and we're reacting. Yeah. Um, so I was I, just wondering if I'm one of the very few like consumers the, who literally watch Right, I was just every wondering if NFL more game.
1: of a red zone kind of yeah, as i as opposed could, to... I was actually referring to the game starts at one. I'm going to watch this game, not change right. the channel until 3.30. Yeah, before. so
2: I, I just have every single game on in the studio. And okay. it's my job to literally keep the audience abreast of what's going on. I'm the red zone yeah. for the, the viewers or the listeners who are driving at that time. But if I, if I wasn't doing that red zone that would be the place I would get it because yeah. it almost tells you everything you need to know.
1: Oh, right. Without the commercials.
2: Without the commercials.
0: So my last question, and it's something that you've touched on, but I'd love your opinion on it. Time management. Mm-hmm. You are all over the country. I am. Your father, mm-hmm. your husband, you know, mentoring some people. How do you know how to manage your time, which I think is probably the biggest asset It probably yeah. got you to where you are right now? Uh-huh. Um, and how did you kind of pick that up you know, as as to know... What you should be doing at what time
2: you know it's that's probably an area i could use a little more mentoring um so i've I've managed my time well from a from a production standpoint right so i can produce at a high rate and i can provide for companies provide for myself but i do and i'm I'm diligent about this in 2019 being able to step away and give time to myself reload my batteries it's just in my my story working is how i fix all my problems being early staying late outworking the next person showing what i'm like i'm gonna speed up all night days if i have to until i crack the code and make sure i provide value to whoever's dependent on me that's just the the model that has gotten me to where i am so now that i'm on this side of it and my reputation perceives me and people understand okay this is a guy that puts the time in he gives us high production high value I need to turn that down a little bit and provide a little more time to myself for rest for, to recharge my batteries because as is in the last five, six months, I've flown over 140,000 miles. Wow! I've yeah. spent over 12 full days on airplanes, probably another seven in cars. These are commutes. These are to this job, to that job, to this event. Um, and again, I'm producing at a high rate and it's, put me in a really good spot for a lot of cool opportunities and now i'm at the point where i'm okay in these opportunities i'm gonna have to safeguard against that in in phase two but it was okay for phase one because i wanted to show i wanted to show improve now that i've done that in phase two that's an, that's an important part so it sounds life. like
1: you have very little little free time but beyond hanging out with your family mm-hmm. uh are there any specific hobbies that you have that you will find time to to do like
2: honestly no it's work okay. and it's right. family. It's right. like the last year. If my, or if my friends or, are listening to this, they will chime in and say he is right. Like yeah. I had to mute all group texts. Yeah. Like I'm that kind because I'm trying to make sure that all right. I got to make sure after.
1: There produce. really is a Gary V thing going yeah. on
2: here. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I, there's no
0: there's no f bombs. No, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't really work. That, Better yeah. language. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah.
2: So um, yeah, that's 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 kind of where I'm at.
0: Run us through a day. How do you manage or a your day? week Or a week. Yeah,
2: what's so, it like? So we'll start on... So between, again, what I do at Uninterrupted was this business development. And then I'm also talent at ESPN. So on a Saturday, I leave LA 8 p.m. on a flight to Hartford, Connecticut. I land in Hartford around 5.30. There's a hotel in the airport. I check in. I sleep for two and a half hours. And then I take a car to Bristol, which is about 45 minutes away. I'm on radio for six hours straight on my radio show, Operation Football, with um, Randy Scott and Field Yates. After that is done, I eat and I go right to a production meeting for Sports Center on Snap that night. That starts at about six thirty. That's on Saturday. That's on S- Sunday, Sunday now. We're on okay, Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Okay. So, leave the radio show, uh, production meeting. I film. I get done taping around one o'clock in the morning because I have to wait for the Sunday night game to end. At one a.m., I jump in a car to New York. Two hours to New York, I get there at 3 a.m. I check into the hotel. I'm up at 7 a.m. to film the Tomahawk show with Joe Thomas. He's remote. So we film in the morning. Um,
1: Where at, do you do that? What's the, What studio?
2: So I work also from our sister marketing agency um, here in Tribeca in New York, um, the robot company. So I do it from the studio they have in office there. So I film from or we record from 8 to 9. Then from 9 to 5, I work from the marketing agency on our projects there. Some of our clients are Chase, Beats by Dre, New Balance, Sprite, Vitamin Water. Um, At 5 o'clock, I'm back in a car to Bristol. Three and a half hours now through traffic. So I get there at 8.30, right in the production meeting. Film again after the Monday night football game. Wrap at 1 a.m. 1 a.m., go to the airport. I'm up at 6 a.m. for a flight back to Los Angeles. Land in Los Angeles about 10.30 on Tuesday. And then I drive from the airport right to the office and work for the rest so of the uninterrupted week. Office. uninterrupted Uninterrupted. Yeah. Then I work for the rest of the week um, from there and then find time to film a podcast again. So that's – I would spend – throughout the football season, I probably spent 56 hours total in my own house, including sleep time. And from Saturday to that Tuesday, I'm in a bed for like nine hours total. Like the rest is being slept in cars, on a plane – in transit um so it was a brutal year it was it was a very brutal football season uh but it was again i got a lot of cool things done a lot of things accomplished and hopefully i set myself up to start saying okay you've proven that you paid your dues you've proven you have the talent now i have the leverage of saying this is what i won't do if you come into an area and this is just my philosophy if i come to an area i've never been in and i start making demands of what i won't do they'll look at you like you're entitled They'll look at you like, who do you think you are? Well, when I do things like this and I say, okay, this is, now I'm only based in LA or only want to, you know, this time, I need this time off. No one's good. People are going to say, oh, okay, we get it now. You know, so that was my goal. And it's been a crazy, a crazy, crazy schedule. And that's why I say I need to figure out that balance a little bit better.
0: Are you happy? Are you enjoying what you're doing?
2: I am enjoying it. I enjoy, I enjoy process. I enjoy challenges. And these are this is what I wasn't getting from football. And football, again, I love football. It, it, I owe everything to it, but it got to the point where it was no longer a challenge. I was right. going through the motions and there was, there was nothing that I was reaching towards. And when I got to the Patriots, I felt like, look, if a ring isn't enough to keep me motivated and to be challenged, right. then there's nothing left here for me. And in this new role, in this new phase of life, there's so many new challenges that I haven't cracked yet. And I'm, Every day I'm excited to wow. just to keep doing it. Awesome.
0: Great. What's the last question I had in the time you could wrap it up is what's one of the, one or two of the things you've learned recently that, that you had no idea about? Are there, are there a couple of things that have popped up?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Two or three things that I've learned recently. Anything? It was probably what we just talked about. Yeah. The importance of, you know, giving time to yourself. A balance. Somebody balance is you $10,
0: so key. $10,000 for your brand or whatever the, the, the number is. That's yeah, the number like it's, or, yeah. Like,
2: like, there's a consequence to everything you do, mm-hmm. good and bad, right? Wow, and, he
1: should have been making T-shirts every week when he was playing. Yeah, like I should have been. <laughs> uh, I wish
2: I would have learned yeah. the Julian Edelman School of Marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're gonna wrap, right? Yep. Oh. Uh, and how do they? How does everybody find you? Yeah. So well, yeah, it, find you've got me a everywhere. high profile, but you can find. But go ahead and yeah, you can specific
2: find me any social media ad hoc. That's simple And Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, before, Facebook. That's amazing.
0: He at bought Hawk. it from AJ Hawk, you know. AJ <laughs> Hawk I mean, he probably must have got in early to get that. Well, I knew unless unless you could buy it.
2: I did. I did buy one of them. Okay, I did buy one of them um, for a low amount. Uh, then one, two were given to me. I knew the right people at the right places. So yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat at Hawk.
1: Wow. Easy. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, well, thank you, Andrew Hawkins. Thank you guys. That was an amazing thing. So. We've been listening to um, uh, Andrew Hawkins, graduate of the program here at Columbia, uh, NFL veteran, and now a budding sports media superstar <laughs> where, where, you can, uh, where he seems to be everywhere. Um, it's an amazing story, and it's really inspirational to hear it. And, you know, I really admire the work ethic. I appreciate um, it. And um, it, it really is incredible. So thank you for sharing it with everybody.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Joe? That was a great conversation. Great thanks conversation. For organizing yep, us. Always a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Uh, so, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new show. But in the meantime, check out at Hawk on all your different social platforms, and you'll be well entertained. Thanks again.